From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. The Earned Income Tax Credit has been called one of the largest anti-poverty programs in the United States. But even though it's right there in the name, it can be easy to forget that the EITC is also a tax credit. And that means that if you claim it erroneously, you might get audited by the IRS. But right now you might be saying to yourself, come on, does the IRS really go after low-income people who weren't quite low-income enough to qualify for the EITC? And the answer is yes, especially in certain regions of the U.S. That's according to research from Kim Bloomquist. He spent 20 years as a senior economist at the IRS and then another three years at the Taxpayer Advocate Service, an independent watchdog group within the IRS. Now retired, Kim is doing his own research into who gets audited and how often. And his project looking into EITC audits made a big splash when it came out last year. He found that the agency is much more likely to go after small dollar amount audits than large ones. Kim spoke about why that is with Bloomberg tax editor Yuri Nagano. And he also talked about whether this will change under the Biden administration and if so, how. Kim says the whole issue comes down to the resources and manpower at the IRS's disposal. Congress started cutting the IRS budget, I think beginning about 2010. And that's been a steady steady, uh, decline over the years. And primarily what this does is that it's been affecting uh, uh, audits of higher income individuals, wealthy individuals, uh, businesses and corporations uh, for the most part. Uh, Most IRS audits now are focusing, or are, are an increasing share of IRS audits, let's put it that way, are, are focusing on EITC taxpayers, low and, and uh, uh, low middle income taxpayers, for the most part. And that because <clears throat> a lot of these uh, taxpayers are located in certain parts of the country, it's become a, a increasingly biased um, uh, selection of audits for particularly parts of the South and uh, areas where there's lots of Hispanic voters and uh, Native Americans, for example, and uh, um, African Americans in the South, particularly. So, when you when you did your study, have we ever had this type of study where we try to understand the EITC audit distribution, you know, in the U.S. by county? As far as I'm aware, uh, nobody's done it before. I think, to a large extent, IRS has always been, for historical reasons, somewhat shy about looking at regional distributions of their enforcement activities. Uh, because they realize it's it's politically sensitive, if they show, for example, that you know one congressman's district is being audited more than another congressman's district, that becomes an issue potentially for the IRS. So I think for for to a large extent, the IRS has largely avoided looking at regional issues. Although I think, in order to uh, become, you know, faithful to their for their mission statement, which says they're going to apply the tax laws with integrity and and uh, equitably. Uh, for all taxpayers, I think they need to, to do that. In, that. in other words, they need to look at the regional distribution as well as uh, other factors such as uh, racial characteristics of taxpayers. Uh, I, I have a list of, your, of what you found in your research, and it's quite um, interesting. Can you tell us which uh, where, where the uh, top 10 counties were that you found that the EITC audits were taking place in? Yeah, the, most of the, the, uh, the top 10 uh, counties were located in actually in the state of Mississippi and through all of them throughout the deep south, if you will. Um, so and, and in counties where there was a high concentration of African-American population, not because the IRS intentionally audits you know, African-Americans or any other racial group more than, other, more than another, but it's, it's because 
uh, people in those particular top 10 counties uh, are working, but they work in low-wage jobs. And because they're working in low-wage jobs, they're qualified to apply for the earned income tax credit. And as a result, uh, because the IRS is focusing more of its audit capability on EITC taxpayers, uh, folks in these, uh, these counties are selected more frequently than people that, uh, that don't claim the earned income tax credit on their tax returns. However, uh, because of the you know, long-standing you know, racial inequities in this country, that they, they are being selected for that purpose. Their, their incomes are low, and um, they, they live in this part of the country where our economic opportunity is less. That, that's, that's an issue that the IRS should be aware of. So, I mean, why does this happen? I mean, we talk about, you know, you had mentioned that uh, there's not enough people, um, auditors, to go around, and so that, that is a result. I mean, what is the process that actually results in something like this? Well, again, it's, it's due to the fact that the IRS has just lost um, inf- examination staff. It's, it's easier for higher IRS to hire people at lower-graded positions than at higher-graded positions. The constrained budget of IRS is basically forcing them to focus on, on staff with fewer qualifications and that, that, that only can be assigned to audit particular kinds of tax returns, and that would be like the EITC-type tax returns or other like single-issue tax returns where there's, there's, there's little complexity to them. Basically, you identify an issue, you send out a correspondence letter to the taxpayer, asking them to provide certain information. And all that the, the examiner has to do then is determine whether or not those requirements were met and then close the case. So there's very little interaction with the taxpayer. It's basically all done by correspondence by mail. It sounds like for EITC, it's usually the auditing is done by mail and with higher net worth individuals, it's done differently. Is, is that why there's a budgetary issue? Right. Basically, there's, there's three types of audits. The, the correspondence audits that are done by mail, that's, those are the ones that are like signal issue, EITC, a child tax credit, uh, maybe uh, you know, uh, deductions, for example, charitable deductions. Those are the kinds of issues that are often done by mail. Uh, there are office audits uh, done by tax compliance officers uh, where people will come into the IRS office and the examination will be done there. In fact, it's kind of interesting. The, the one and only tax audit I have ever had was when I first joined the IRS and uh, I was audited as a result of that. The other type of audit is a more complex kind where the, the uh, revenue agent then goes to the place of business and then they actually audit the books at the place of business. So those are the kinds of audits that are more complex, take more time, are more expensive to do, and require a, great, a greater deal of expertise on the part of the individual doing the audit, and so it costs more uh, as a result of that. So yes, I mean, that's, uh, it's clear that the IRS budget situation is driving the, the trend toward a greater percentage of audits affecting lower income people. With EITC recipients, they're only getting at most a few thousand dollars in tax cuts, as, as I understand it. And with a high net, you know, high income individual, we might be looking at um, several thousands, possibly millions. And so there does seem to be like it would make much more economic sense should there be resources to actually be auditing more of the high income individuals. Yes, I mean the potential for for dollars goes up, you know, with with the income of the taxpayer, but you have to offset that with the ability to actually conduct the case if you don't have the staff to conduct the case in the first place, you can't even really consider 
auditing those uh, those taxpayers. And so I think uh, the IRS recently was criticized by Treasury Inspector General for, for Tax Administration for not actually pursuing a lot of high-income uh, non-filers because these are people that had the obligation to file a tax return but did not and had fairly high incomes. And uh, But the, because the IRS just does not have the staff to go after these people, I mean, they, they just could not do it. So yeah, the potential exists there for an increase in revenue, uh, enforcement revenue from from a variety of taxpayers uh, and higher incomes, but they just don't have, the IRS does not have the staff to pursue those cases at this time. According to plans already out there with uh, President-elect Biden, there it does seem like there is an interest in expanding uh, EITC child tax credit and also even giving tax credits on uh, first-time home buyers. Right. No, yeah, I've heard about that. And, and, and while this may be you know, an appropriate thing to do to help low-income people to, to you know, have a better life, it will likely also pose a greater compliance challenge for the Internal Revenue Service because it is well known that uh, there, is a, there is a potential for increased uh, um, non-compliance for people who do claim the EITC because it's a complex thing to, to claim. On the one hand, it's good for the individuals receiving the credits, on the other hand, it's a problem, potential problem for IRS as non-compliance could potentially increase. That was Kim Bloomquist, a tax researcher and former IRS economist speaking with Bloomberg Taxes, Yuri Nagano. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And if you have any thoughts about what you just heard or really anything else, Get in touch with us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. Today's episode of Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz, and Josh Block. Kathy Larson is our editor. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Laura Carlson, and I'm dropping into your feed to tell you about Prognosis, a new daily show from Bloomberg. Monday through Friday, we'll spend a few minutes with you every afternoon to help you understand life in the time of COVID-19. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So come back every afternoon for our coverage and stay safe.